Bear Down Bears fans, welcome into another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast. I'm your host, Pat the Designer, back at it again, joined by Courtney Cronin on a day where we got some problems, Courtney. Yeah, in the I secondary mean, for sure. It's not it's great. Not great news today. Of course, the Kyler Gordon injury, we got to touch on that. Um, just a general overall what needs to change as we head into this big week versus Tampa. Want to get into that as well. All that and more in today's episode. Hit that like button, subscribe to the page, leave that five star review. You know what to do. Let's jump into the show. Let's start here. I, I don't even want to waste time with this because now we're in a situation with the DBs where it's not only bad from the Kyler Gordon, which is being now reported uh, that he's gone to IR. Mm -hmm. But we also have our backup in Josh Blackwell, who basically was supposed to be the guy that's going to fill in there, not playing. Yeah, it's not a great thing. And we knew this was probably where it was headed, just kind of gauging from how the team was responding to comments about Kyler Gordon's injury. You know, he sent in on that blitz play in the fourth quarter and he breaks his hand, more or less. Yep. Like So it's, it's unfortunate because he's going to have to now miss a minimum of four games. And yep. who knows with a hand injury, how severe it is that you know, maybe he's not able to come back after four games, which would be the Minnesota game in week six. But that's where he's headed. And the secondary, which they've spent a lot of high draft capital on, especially at the cornerback spot, a second-round pick on Jalen Johnson, a second-round pick on Kyler Gordon, a second-round pick on Tyreek Stevenson. They, you know, this was supposed to be the strength of the team, and now you take away your nickel, which is more or less in this defense a starting position because they're in their nickel so often. Yeah. Um, it's tough. And with Josh Blackwell, so he's in practice on Wednesday, has a hamstring injury. And when he's talking after practice, you kind of get the vibe that maybe he's not going to be like a lock to go for yeah. Sunday. Just kind of talking about, like, I don't know, we'll see. And that's not just like hinting at Kyler Gordon's injury being something at that point. We didn't know if he was going to be on IR. They didn't announce it until today. But Josh Blackwell's not at practice on Thursday. He's, down the, he's riding the right. bike, so clearly this hamstring injury was exacerbated by what happened in practice yesterday. And they're now down another corner, potentially, if he can't get that soft tissue injury right for the game against Tampa Bay. And then you're looking at the Jalen Joneses. The uh, They just signed Greg Stroman Jr. off the practice squad onto the active roster. Terrell Smith is a potential option there. I don't remember seeing him play slot during training camp, but they cross-train these guys at a multitude of positions to make sure that if there is a situation like this that arises that they're ready, but not, not great news for the secondary uh, by any measure. Are we at a point where, right, I know Tyree Stevenson didn't play a ton of it in college, but he's at least seen some time there. Could we maybe swap out Stevenson and put Smith out there? They were competing for that mm -hmm. second DB spot out there next opposite Jalen Johnson. Is that something we could be heading towards? Or is this just kind of a, you know, we're, we're going to, Keep our best guys where our best guys are. Right now, Tyreek Stevenson clearly is the best option at your number two, even mm -hmm. though Smith didn't get the opportunity to win it. But, you know, he's, he's clearly your best option as your number two right now. Is that a situation that the Bears are in where they might be able to go in a – Put putting Tyreek in that slot instead. Yeah, it's it's a great question, and I think it's one that has to be asked because he did play the slot. He played the star position at Georgia, and now the situation that they're in, do you want to move two guys 
and like create two openings more or less because moving Stevenson into the slot would then create that vacancy at the outside corner spot opposite Jalen Johnson or do you just want to work with one position it's gonna come down to and this sounds very basic because it is like who is your best option at nickel if Tyreek Stevenson's that guy and I'm not you know I've had conversations with him about like at Georgia playing that spot when he wanted to be an outside corner. And, you know, of course, that factoring into the opportunity he had to go do that in Miami. And part of the reason why he decided he wanted to transfer back after, uh, you know, during the covid season. So I I think it's something the coaching staff will have to look at, because if you look at your other options and Jalen Jones played it a tiny bit last year, it was mostly I think Josh Blackwell, Josh Blackwell had 117 snaps at in the slot last year. Of course, yeah. So if you don't have him, then you go further down the depth chart and you're wondering, all right, this is a very difficult position. We know that Kyler Gordon as a rookie and he was focusing on it a lot. It wasn't his sole position he was focusing on, but he was cross training at both and he struggled with it as a second round pick. So do you have guys who know it well enough to play that you'd be comfortable leaving Stevenson and Johnson where they are and then moving somebody else off of, you know, the bench into that role, then you go that route. But if if not, and if Terrell Smith, who was competing for that starting outside corner job until the injuries kind of held him back, if you think that he's better at outside corner, then you can move Stevenson inside. I just there's a lot of moving parts yeah. and it's not great for the back end of this defense when it comes down to how much communication is reliant upon that position on the nickel corner position for for that guy to be the traffic cop back there in the secondary you don't want to mess around with the chemistry and what they have going but they're going to have to make some changes to compensate for that loss yeah there's i mean could we possibly be heading towards even trying to pick somebody up or do they feel strong enough at the position right now with what they have here to just keep some keep we're going to stay with the guys that we have in the building i mean it's three days three days until the game i doubt there will be anything at this point to bring anybody else in but you know, how long Kyler Gordon's injury is going to keep him out may dictate them going to look for, you know, picking somebody up off of waivers or if there's any if there's anybody that gets cut, if there's anybody else on the practice squad on other teams that they might want to poach. Like it's going to those things are going to factor in here. And I I know that there's been like the conversation. Can you play with a club on your hand? Can you not? I mean, it, it, clearly, if he's it, this isn't a situation where it's like, all right, he can go play through this for a while. He might have like a cast on his hand. There sounds like there's surgery yeah. that's going to be required here in order for him to get healthy. And you just don't know if that's going to take the four weeks that he's going to have to miss or if there might be something beyond that where he's going to have to miss time long term, meaning beyond four games. Yeah, that's that was. And that's when you'd want to bring somebody else in, I think, or at least I wouldn't be surprised if come Tuesday they have a lot of DB workouts coming in. Um, typically, that's the day that you see where teams are are bringing guys in to try to figure out like their best uh, on the roster. But right now with the Tampa Bay game coming up and, you know, several receivers, several really good receivers, and they play a lot of 12 personnel. So we know they utilize the tight ends. There's a lot to prepare for where you've just got to roll with the personnel that you have and hope that there is somebody there, whether they go rotation at nickel and whether they're going to use multiple people. Um, you hope that you, the horses that you have right now are enough to get by. Where's the feeling on the DB room, right? It was one of our strongest rooms coming into this, right? We were we were confident about it. I think, the, of course, the bigger issue is going to be pressure on the quarterback at mm-hmm. the end of the day. But, right, like, 
after week one, heading into a week two where, again, like you said, you're still going to see some good receivers on the other side there in Tampa Bay. I don't know, right? I, I, I don't know if I believe in Baker yet. Like, you're not going to fool me because he figured out the Viking signals. Good job, Baker. You didn't figure out most of the people's signals your whole career. I'm not assuming you got it all of a sudden now. But, uh, right, like the DB room was one we felt confident in. Now you come into this week, Eddie Jackson being put back there in coverage just looked like he was getting mm-hmm. picked on. Jaquan Brisker was a little bit in and out of that game. Now Kyler Gordon gone. They basically just didn't attack Jalen Johnson the entire game. Yeah. Right? Where's, where's the level of confidence in this room right now? Well, I still think it's the strongest unit that they have on this team. And Is that it, a good thing, though? I know. I mean, it's, <laughs> it was kind of the default answer for a while, yeah. and that's okay, but but I, I look at this unit and I just wonder, can they, they can't sustain another big blow injury wise. And the shuffling always ends up, you know, when you move things around, it's not going to be as good as at least what you envisioned it to be. So how it affects them against Tampa Bay, it's a loss. I mean, having your, you know, your nickel corner there, somebody who's been really good in coverage and can do a lot of different things. You know, he had one tackle and one pass breakup so not like the busiest stat line for him against green bay but it was it was productive enough i guess and so it's it's a considerable loss given everything else that went wrong on sunday and you brought up eddie jackson i thought he had a really hard game that might be one of the worst games i've seen eddie play and i mean it's not just the touchdown that he gave up to romeo dobbs it was that third and one play at the goal line where it looked like it looked like there was a miscommunication because there was a big gap. It was the gap, the B gap was left wide open, and Jaquan Brisker like releases off of the tight end that he's, you know, he's responsible for, and he can't stop Aaron Jones. The Eddie Jackson comes in a hair, you know, a, a step too late. Like there are definitely things you can point out with the secondary and say that's not good. That was concerning, but by and large, that's the unit that you really like don't have as many questions about. Um, And I thought Tyreek Stevenson played a great game. I really do. I think that there were a lot of moments that were, you know, what, like as good as advertised sort of play from him, like a bright spot amid a game that had very few. You got to, you got to take your wins where you can find them after that Mm -hmm. game. And realistically, Tyreek Stevenson, like you said, he, he is, he's a guy to me who his entire career is going to be, he was a little aggressive on that. Y'all know Tyreek, though. Mm-hmm. Like, that that's how I think that he's going to play. And I think he's going to get smarter with it. The better you get, the more veteran you get in the NFL. You sure. know how it goes. You get away with a lot more. I think that that will kind of be the case with him because I love the fact that he plays aggressive. He plays aggressive 24-7. He's going to hit you hard. He's going to try and make the big play. But he's also, right, like he's not Eddie Jackson where I'm going to just throw the shoulder and try to kill this guy. And if I miss, I miss. Tyreek's like, I'm going to kill you, but I'm also going to make sure that I'm able to make mm-hmm. the tackle. I like seeing the combination with those with that as well. I just I, I feel like right now where this DB room is, I we're kind of in the same position we're in with the quarterback almost, where it's like, okay, yes, I can see all of the flaws in this room. What I can't see right now is the scheme that seems to speak to this room being successful. That's where I look at Allen Williams and say, okay, we got to do more. You can't do what you gave me last season. You have the talent now. At least it feels like it. It does. And I feel like there's a lot of a lot of concerns just about their ability to rush the passer and what that does to the back end of your defense when you have seven in coverage. Like, 
it, it makes their job infinitely more difficult. And, you know, for Baker Mayfield, what we saw with him against the Minnesota Vikings in week one, there are a lot of there's good moments and bad moments, but like he was on he was on the 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 better side of those good moments. Yeah. And so, like, can he pick you apart in the way that Patrick Mahomes can two weeks from now when they're having a game plan without Kyler Gordon then? No, it's a different style of quarterback, but they've been aggressive. Yeah. And I, you know, there were moments that I felt like Mike Evans was, I want to say mailing it in, but there were a couple moments where you're like, this, you can tell he doesn't want to be there. Yeah. Like, you can really tell that. And that's okay because of the contract situation, and maybe that plays into the Bears' favor. But I... I would be pretty worried not having him there because of, you know, like think about the times that they did send blitz. I think there were five or six of them. Five were on run plays, so on first down, and that's where Kyler Gordon can be really beneficial. And then there's, you know, a couple other, like one or two others that were on passing downs. And it's, you're going to have to find the right personnel to, to do those things with. But if we're talking like big picture wise, that's a, that's, a complete scheme adjustment if they want to change what they're doing because they're not getting pressure with their fr- what they're front for. Right. They're not they're not in a situation where they've been very aggressive blitzing and on the other side of it you are facing a team that's a complete polar opposite and that's what they're going to do to this offense is you know at least they can pressure the quarterback. Yeah. They've shown in very different ways, whether it's exotic blitzes, whether it's five, six-man pressures, like all those things. <laughs> that stuff helps, and I feel like you know that helps you be successful as a defense. And the Bears just haven't – they haven't fallen in line with that. And it's, it's staying true to the scheme is one thing, but when it's costing you opportunities yeah. to get after the quarterback and to put yourself in a, sit, in a favorable down and distance because of how you were able to affect the play, then that, is a, that raises concern. And I think very – very different, right? Where staying true to the scheme with the Tampa Bay team, them staying true to their scheme, I get it 100% because JPP, you added Kalaja Kansi, who I knew was going to be a monster coming into this league, right? Like the defensive line is still dogs. Yeah. Whereas the Bears side, right? You got Yannick Ngakwe. I hope some of these young guys are able to build more pressure than they were in week one. But realistically, it didn't matter how much they were bringing pressure because of how quickly Jordan Love was able to get the ball out. When you watch the tape back, it's not like Jordan Love was standing back there, like patting the ball, waiting four or five seconds, mm-hmm. like we saw from a quarterback on the other side of the ball, right? Jordan Love was getting the ball out quick. The option, the scheme made him get the ball out quick. I think Baker will see a little bit of that as well because they realize, okay, these guys aren't going to be able to bring pressure. Yeah, if, if I have to take a shot. If a pass rush, then you, have, you feel like you have all day back there. Yeah, and and I had, I had Herb on uh, the breeze yesterday. He said, I don't care who it is. Of all of these thirty-two quarterbacks, if you give them as much time as you gave Jordan yeah, Love, anybody can they'll be successful. Yep, I agree with that. Let's keep this thing moving along. Appreciate you guys for showing love. Let's jump into the second quarter here. I got to have my notes up so that I can. Uh, we do a little, little different, a little different here. We we had to do a last minute audible, but hey, the second quarter is brought to you by the Hard Rock Casino in Northern Indiana. You can see sticks on October thirteenth at Hard Rock Live. Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. Let's keep it. I think a big concern this week and a word that was said on both sides, and I do want to get into offense and defense, but on both sides was effort. Mm-hmm. This hits principle. The question that I have is in year two, are people still buying into it? Are people still believing it? Because the first two words are hustle and intensity. Mm-hmm. 
I I was here at training camp this year. I was there last year. Last year, guys were running for their lives. <laughs> this year, guys were, okay, we know what to do. Let's get yeah. on our spot. Let's get to the play. It seems like that showed in the game. I was fine with it all camp, but it seems like in the game on both sides, and Lance Briggs said this, especially on the defensive side, it did. the team didn't have that same hits principle mentality. Are we still seeing this team buy in? You know, I think human nature sets in. When you're down by three scores and it's the second half and they just scored two touchdowns in 56 seconds, there's naturally going to be the letdown, the, oh, we just let a big opportunity get away. And, of course, one of the plays in which set up that touchdown was the what just happened here sort of whiplash when – Jordan Love and the fumbled snap gets turned into a big, almost 40-yard gain to the rookie tight end. It's... It's tough, I think, and I think that sometimes we like look at this, and I know they talked about this on the broadcast, the lack of energy, and the lack of energy sometimes puts off the connotation of the lack of caring. You know, I don't think people are happy about the way that this team came out and performed. And Jaquan Brisker said this yesterday, that he felt like they needed this, that they were riding too high in practice, and they hadn't won anything yet. And this humbling experience is as much as it's difficult to stomach and it puts you at an 0-1 deficit early in the season, like maybe this put lights a fire under them. I don't know. I just, I, there were points during the preseason that you could tell that like things, like at least in that sense, I remember there was one day the defense was just annihilating everything. Yeah. Like this was where we saw a couple scuffles, Luke Getzey's yelling at the offense, yeah. guys are jogging, you know, in and out of the huddle. And that's not going to fly because, you know, you've got to find ways to manufacture it. And I thought it was very interesting because Justin Fields talked about this on Wednesday where, you know, the idea of like, okay, well, why was there not a lot of energy? What can you guys do to, you know, manufacture some of that juice? Because they ran through that same issue in training camp. He's got so much stuff to do in the middle of games. Like, he can't be up there can't watching the He can also be the, the rah-rah guy. Like, <laughs> I, I think that that's where – the fiery leaders on this team, whether it is an Eddie Jackson or a Chase Claypool or, you know, even Darnell Mooney's talked about it, having to be the one who kind of tell Justin Fields, hey, buck up, let's go, lock in. Not that he's not, but like, I don't fault Justin Fields for this part. There's plenty of things you can pick out of his game that happened against Green Bay and say, well, that's on him, that's on him, that's on him. The the energy part was not. When he's, he's a third-year quarterback, who at the time he's on the sideline when he's looking at the iPad with Luke Getze, like he's trying to figure out what's going. He doesn't have what the benefit of a Patrick up? Mahomes who, like, when they get off the field if they scored, he's going over there, he's standing around, and he's like, you know, chatting with his guys and getting guys locked in. You know, there have been moments where we've seen that from Fields, but Fields had so much information to try to process in the game against Green Bay that I don't fault him for not being the guy running up and down the sideline yelling for guys to lock in and and get it together. That's got to be, in terms of natural leadership of this team, a role that someone else is willing to assume in that moment. And when your defense is on the field, it's hard to get, like, the Jaquan Briskers, the Eddie Jackson, the Demarcus Walkers, the really vocal leaders, like, they're on the field right now. But, like, when they come off, that has to be their role to keep that sideline juiced because there were... You know, there's a lot of things like from the sideline looking like that to Chase Claypool. And I know we've talked about the the blocking, but Jesus. the route running like he's given up on routes. Yeah. He's pulling up like and it's not injury related, but he's 
That's why he got killed. Yeah. That's why he got that shot where he goes flying left. He's running 50% (laughs) and he's running running the reps at walkthrough speed. That feeds into the effort element and the juice element of this team. So I think it's a problem if it shows up again this week. You hope that if you're them, that you've learned your lesson from it, that there are ways to stay up in games. But I just... I also look at this from like a realistic standpoint where you feel like if you get your ass kicked, it's it's tough in the th- in the third quarter of a game that you felt like, oh, it's so close. It's 10 six. Oh, wait, now it's like 24 yeah. six. Like, that's tough. That's it, not easy for, I think, any team to have to overcome that. Is there a possibility? Because I'm not going to lie to you. The one thing that I saw, it, whether it's effort for me, my question was, is it conditioning? Are these guys, were these guys prepared to be in game shape, especially now going down to Tampa, mm-hmm. where I believe it's going to be, really gonna be 94, 95 already on the docket is last I saw, right? It's going to be hot. It's going to be humid. You're going to have to be out there conditioned well, because realistically, that's going to be twice as hard to run in than what you saw on Sunday. And I, it just looked like those guys were gassed by the time the second quarter got there. Yeah, that's a great point because this is a game that they've known is early in the season. And it's not like they've had to practice in a lot of hot weather. Like the times that it was 100 plus degrees, what was it three weeks ago, two three weeks, weeks ago? ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they were indoors. And I'm not at all suggesting that they should have been outside for that to prepare for Tampa Bay. But when you like offensive line. That unit hasn't played together a whole lot. And, of course, the continuity element of knowing, you know, making sure everybody knows the call and knows the, you know, knows the snap count. And, you know, in doing all of those things on top of the fact that you have a Nate Davis who doesn't look very conditioned right now. And, you know, the rest of the offensive line is trying to, you know, they're going on the road. So it's going to be loud when they're on offense. It's it's just like it's it feels like it could be a recipe for the same thing to happen, but like to look very sloppy. And so can you cut down on those penalties? Can you, especially the ones that are happening pre-snap, can you, can you make it, can you run a, can you run a style of, can you play a certain way where even if you feel like guys are maybe not in the best shape, which again, I don't buy a lot of that for Nate Davis. I do just because he, you know, he was been in and out of of practice and he hasn't been, he hasn't been out there a whole lot, but it's, they can't have that happen again because that's not going to be an excuse that's valid if it happens, even in a place like Tampa. Of course, it's going to be hot, but Tampa Bay is also playing in that too. And they practice indoors a whole lot because yeah. it's so warm down there. So I I would like to find some way to say it otherwise, other than just that they need to, like, there's going to be no excuse if they don't look conditioned because you can't lose the way that they did in week one and expect that any of the excuses that you might give out in other circumstances would hold up to another loss because at that point you're staring 0-3 in the face and you're coming back here week four after playing at Kansas City like in a 14 game on in the midst of a 14 game losing streak like the littlest thing should be the conditioning and like that should be the easiest thing to solve and yeah I'm sure guys will be getting IVs at halftime and you know make sure you're staying hydrated like that's the detail stuff though yeah, the yeah. little things you have to do to take care of yourself in order for this game to pan out where it's competitive and the bears don't look incompetent out there that's not just coaching staff it's not just scheme and we've talked so much about that this week that's on the players to make sure they're physically and mentally prepared to play i think that's the concern right it is which would you rather have that that we come out of week one with and would you rather have it be 
you know, hey, these guys, maybe they just weren't ready for football because preseason, now they've gone through week one and it's mm-hmm. all good. Or there was a lack of hustle and intensity, which are the first two words in your principle. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just, I, I'm the nerd that like will rewatch that tape and I went and go watch Baker's tape to see what I saw. I will say the second half was impressive. I'll give them that. The first half was a joke. The second half was impressive. But I just look at it and I say the same things over and over again. I was like, it's just like they got beat because they didn't want it. That's what it felt like. They got beat because they didn't. Right? You talk about Claypool. He didn't run hard. He's not. He's not running his routes hard. Um, to me, it seems like the second Justin misses him on that double move, double move uh, to go uh, for the deep shot down the right side. All of a sudden, his play was lackluster. Yeah, and he was upset about the scheme, and it, it felt like it felt like pouting. Yeah, and I, I a good way to put it. I don't. I would rather be sitting here talking about they just needed to get hit in the mouth first than sitting here talking about they're not buying into the entire principle that Fluce is dealing if with. If you see a repeat, and yeah, what Lance was talking about, like how defensively there were moments where it looks like they were not playing at 100%. If yeah. you see a repeat of it anywhere on Sunday, then that's that com- that calls into question your coaching style, the culture that's being built here. And things that, frankly, they shouldn't have to be answering week two. These yeah. should not be issues for them. They've had an entire offseason. And if you get that vibe, they don't come ready to play. Like, I would imagine it would take a lot for that to happen because of how much that's been emphasized this week. Right. Where you're never going to get the coaching staff, especially Matt Eberflus, to say, no, we don't feel like our guys came prepared to play. Because... As much as they, as much as the end result suggests that they didn't, like they had months to prepare for this game. Doesn't for that the game. scheme say that though? That's that's what I that's I when you scheme, find that out. I think the scheme tells you a lack of a ju- like a lack of um, flexibility yeah. in coaches who do who might not want to adjust as much as like they expect their personnel to fit what they're doing. And yes, does that play into like the bigger picture that that was them like not kind of like fighting what they had to prepare for sure but now's your chance to to counter that so what does that mean against a team like tampa bay well a big story is that they blitz a lot and we've talked about how do you how do you how do you counter counteract that if you're you're not just going to have like five head up in protection like you're not going to so you have to live in max protection for a game like this you have to utilize your best personnel so don't get cute with it because Getting cute with stuff re- would can yield an 0-2 hole. So put Roshan Johnson should be starting this game. He should be starting uh, this politics game. Politics shouldn't play nothing no. into this at this point. And <laughs> I think that we, just even in kind of seeing some of the pass protection drills they were doing on Thursday yeah. um, with the running backs, he gives you your best shot. So you can't just look at this and say, okay, well, Khalil Herbert was, um, you know, he wasn't an efficient runner. Far none. He was not an efficient runner oh. in uh, the opener. So if Roshan Johnson gives you that best opportunity as an efficient runner, caught six passes and in pass protection, then don't think twice about it. Just yeah. roll him out there. And and same thing, too, with the, um, the wide receivers that they're going to end up keeping up. So they kept up five last week. Big question this week. Is Chase Claypool going to be active? Is it going to be Equinemius St. Brown? And I do kind of sense, at least from Richard Hightower and Luke Getze, you know, they get suggestions. They can make suggestions on who's active, but that's a Matt Eberflus and a Ryan in a, a Ryan Poles conversation, which of course the general manager always has a say in it. But I almost felt like that was a way of insulating themselves against. Okay, well you know 
these guys weren't up and we had to go with who we had. And so the equanimity of St. Brown, knowing he's a great run blocker, not having him on the perimeter, like that's a glaring hole that if you, if they're going to run into that same thing, this, this, if that's part of the game plan again, then maybe they make a change and maybe Claypool is inactive, but it, I, you just, you can't play around with this. Yeah. Like this, they, they're on an 11 game losing streak. Like it's a really uncomfortable spot to be in this early in the season on this team, because yeah, I know they keep posturing and saying like, okay, like that doesn't. We don't care about the outside noise. It's only one game. It's only one game, but it's eleven straight losses. I think that. See, I talked about this yesterday too. It's tough for me to to follow that, just because ten of the eleven is the outcome that they wanted. At least Ryan Poles wanted, right? Like he was like, "Hey, you're talented. You're talented. You guys get out." No, I get it. And <laughs> outside I, of Justin, it was just like nobody else is going to be here. But then it, you you should be turning the corner yes, this year, hundred percent. You can't be is it because so many of the things that helped them lose this game are things that showed up last year yes. when they were strategically trying to get the number one yeah. overall pick. Yeah, no, and and that's I, the Packer game. And I said this beginning of the week, it felt like they were prepping for the Packers team last season. Mm -hmm. It felt like they were prepared for a team that didn't come out and they thought there's no way that this Packers team is going to go out and blitz and and attack Justin Fields the way that they did. Oh, they're in the backfield a lot. Yeah. This is not good. How do we and, – and you didn't see the adjustment off of that, which I thought we saw a lot of that last season. But there's, there's a lot <laughs> – there's a lot that's left – to be desired here. I do want to talk about some things in the third quarter here that uh, maybe could change and that could be the, the thing that turns this positive. Let's start on the offensive side of the football, Courtney. Where do we feel offensively? Of course, DJ Moore getting targets, but you talked with Luke Getze. What does it seem like offensively the biggest change this week is going to be? I mean, DJ... DJ Moore being involved in the game plan. He ran 39 or 37 routes, two of them where he was targeted. That can't happen. And coaches are never going to tell you the like amount of, of plays that they, they, they draw up every week for a certain player. But clearly for DJ Moore, it's got to be more than two. It's got It's probably got to be double digits yeah. in terms of targets because he's your best receiver. You didn't go out and get him and give up a lot to get him and other draft capital if you didn't feel like he was somebody that's going to be standing out above all, all everybody else in terms of the stat book at the end of the game book at the end of the game mm -hmm. and what his stats look like. But I will say that there might be an opportunity here because remember, he played Tampa Bay a lot twice a year since he got to the NFL in 2018. He's seen Jamel Dean. He's seen Carlton Davis. And he knows like what happened with Justin Jefferson last week. In the first half, Justin Jefferson goes off. In the second half, they cover him and they take him away from they take him out of the game. So I think there's a big opportunity here for the Bears to activate DJ Moore in ways that we did not see whatsoever yeah. in week one. But with that said, you know, Fields has to be more aggressive. And that means taking the deep shot. That means scanning the field, making sure that you're in 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 um Intuition doesn't tell you, okay, tuck and run. It's, I got to look open downfield. I've got to throw my guys open in certain circumstances, including a DJ Moore. And he even brought in Chase Claypool of knowing that, you know, there were explosive plays that they left out there that he wants back and trusting himself. Yeah. I mean, he had like one tight window throw that was a completion. 
uh, in this game against Green Bay. He can throw that ball. He can thread the needle. Being confident in doing that, and even if it did result in an interception, obviously they don't want to pick six, but sometimes I, I do think that he has to kind of get those things out of the way first in order to play his best, like play like him, like his best self. But it's this game plan. Well, this, this offense isn't going to get off the ground if they don't go vertical. Yes, <laughs> if, they don't, if they don't involve DJ more like from the start. And I know what they say about like, oh, well, sometimes these run plays when we get backed up, like just to get ourselves back on track. That's great, and that is necessary, but. Even if you do get behind the chains, DJ Moore can't just disappear from the game plan. The part that irritates me is, okay, we're doing the screen pass thing, and and uh, I wanted we got to jump into the defense here because I just got the message that they need this room. Uh, so, but the, I'm fine with you doing the screen game. Our biggest play of the preseason to start the season is DJ Moore on a screen that he takes to the house. You have playmakers. You put the ball in their hands in short yard. How many times do we see Tyreek Hill catch a flip pass mm-hmm. from Pat Mahomes that he takes 90 yards because he's Tyreek freaking Hill. Like you allow your playmakers to make plays. That's the biggest thing at the end of the day. And that's what I want to see from this offense. Just allow, you went out and got these playmakers supposedly. Let's see them make some plays. And don't shy away from the fact that it almost felt like they were just like, Justin can't run. We, we can't send him out there running. He's still the best athlete on the field. I think I c- counted one design run. And it was right at the back of the center. It was terrible. <laughs> yeah. It's like that element. I get it. Like, I understand why people are like, didn't want to see a whole lot of it, but they're still planning to utilize him as a runner in certain moments. Yeah. It's just not going to be the run first element that you saw so much of last year. What do we need to see as the biggest change defensively coming in here? I mean, there's there's a lot that was left on the field there defensively. I think it boils down to if you can't create pressure with your front four, then like find some flush principles, bring in a fifth rusher to be able to move the quarterback out of the pocket and you know, what the, the benefit of a cover two defense is it takes away a lot of the throws over the middle of the field. And that is something that needs to happen. But you, if they're like in Allen Williams has done this in moments before, he doesn't want to blitz a whole lot. But I think if you are in a situation where it's just as dire as it was last week, that you have to kind of break, um, you know, break some of your own rules to be able to, or even that maybe break your rules is a is a is a too harsh of way of like saying it. But you have to you have to adjust. They had no counter for Aaron Jones in the second half. Yeah. They had no counter for not having a pass rush. Unique Ngakwe had you know the one sack this past game, and there was nothing else. So. Yeah. I would like to see if it's going to be, you know, Jaquan Brisker, if they're going to try to bring more pressure with their safeties and, you know, walk guys up into the box and then having different looks. Like, disguise it to where it doesn't look like pre snap, you know what they're going to do. Yeah. That can't happen. So, finding ways to give the defense or give the offense some eye candy of Tampa Bay to like, you know, float around with that and like show you, okay, like what do they look like they're in here? Are they, does it look like a cover two look? And then all of a sudden when the snap is, is off, they break into cover six, like be more exotic with your coverages too. I think it's more, it's the pass rush, but it's also what they do on the back end where you can tell a cover two look every single time that you are looking at this, like a pre-snap looking at the defense because it all looks the same. Yeah. And it feels very base. 
like they've got to change up what they're doing and get more creative so it's not as predictable to pick them apart in and the ways it, that you pick them apart. And it's just, it's the quarterbacks you're playing. I get it with Pat Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Jordan Love and, and Baker Mayfield, You sh- first off, Baker, we got the history on. Pressure causes him to have problems. Mm-hmm. Jordan Love, I'd have forced him to be like, yeah, you got to be a better quarterback than we are at getting to you. I, I, like, it, it just, it didn't make sense to me, the game plan as a whole, of course, but I, I think that that also goes into, right, it, it's back to the conversation of, guys, you cannot be 70%ing how you're attacking mm-hmm. on defense. You Like, I can put the best game out there. If you give me 70% and they're giving me 110, they're going to beat you. Sure. And I think that that's, that's a major concern for this Bears team. But we'll see what it all ends up being. Appreciate you guys for tuning in to another episode. Hit that like button. Subscribe to the page. This is a very different pod to do without mics in our hands. I feel like I was, I got the Italian out in me. You know what I mean? Hey, let's go. But uh, appreciate you guys.